Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody, you might as well buy them from us, help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota. This is episode 158. I think we're about 30,000 downloads from a million. So we'll have to do a a celebration uh, at a million downloads on the audio platforms. Um, Thank you for being back for another evening. I hope you guys are are able to tune into the the Royce White radio show on the John Fredericks Radio Network, which is uh, accessible through the John Fredericks Radio app. Uh, You can also go to the website, but over the course of the next couple of days, we'll be posting replays, uh, posting audio versions of of the uh, the radio show on the Royce White USA YouTube channel. So you can listen to the radio show there. I, I believe Rumble will allow us to use the music that we are able to use on the radio. Uh, and we're able to use it on the radio because John has all of the all of the licensing to to play music. Um on the radio, but YouTube is very, uh, very strict about copyright use of, of music. Uh, although they let you use some music, sometimes they, they won't let you monetize the episode, which is, is fine by me, but, um, sometimes you'll get a knock on your whole channel and there'll be other content that should be monetized and you'll have your channel demonetized or certain content demonetized. You got to go through a bunch of Hoops and things like that with YouTube, they're very hard to get a hold of. We know how big tech is working and censorship, and then they'll they'll find any reason to uh, to demonetize you and whatnot. So the Royce White USA YouTube channel has no goals at monetization, so we won't we don't really care if the the content is demonetized or not. So we're gonna figure out what the best way is to go about you uh, being able to listen to the radio show in its full capacity uh, if you want to do so on YouTube and, and other platforms as well. I'm also going to have to do a, uh, a new podcast, uh, a new podcast channel through our distribution, distribution source, uh, specifically for the Royce White show. So we'll, we'll, we'll make that happen as well. And you'll be able to listen to it on the audio platforms. Um, going to get right into the madness today. Not a lot of housekeeping except February 3rd marked the date. Uh, the Royce White Show, not the Royce White Radio Show, the Royce White Show, uh, will be premiering on Real America's Voice, which I'm very happy about. Obviously, uh, Bannon's War Room is one of the best one of the best uh, shows, one of the best podcasts, one of the best sources of news in all of the country, really in all of the world. And, and Bannon's War Room has had great success. I was introduced to many out there in the MAGA movement and the and the conservative movement and the the American nationalist populist movement through Bannon's War Room. So a huge shout out to to Steve Bannon and Maureen Bannon and the great Grace Chong. We know that they stream the podcast every evening and we get huge numbers not only on Getters live streams, but also on Rumble. And, and we're very uh, thankful for that because we are being throttled. I mean, you, there's no doubt about it. We can we can look at YouTube and, and see that we're being throttled just from the number of people who are in the live chat. Uh, and then the number of views immediately after the show concludes. So um, 
you know, it is what it is. We're, we're not worried about that. We're worried about pushing content out and we have plans to make even more content and be able to push it out at an even, uh, an even bigger um, scale as we really start to, to dig our heels in and, and get rolling on the Senate campaign. RoyceWhite.us, you can go and visit the Senate campaign website, become a little bit more familiar with my views on certain policy issues, which is really what politics is all about. It's not, it's not supposed to be about personalities, although personalities do bear heavily on the political process. It should be about policy, and you can, you can see some of my policy views on the website. So that's RoyceWhite.us, um, FreePeopleRadio.com. Go to freepeopleradio.com, buy a piece of merchandise that has to do with the podcast, whether it's a T-shirt or a sweatshirt or, or some type of memorabilia. We're going to have more uh, merchandise uh, coming into the store in the very near future, uh, art and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, we got all kinds of little, little memorabilia in the, in the store. Uh, one of my personal favorites are the Please Call Me Crazy Poker cards because I love a good game of poker. Not a huge gambler, but but I love a good game of poker. Uh, nonetheless, poker is is um, poker is one of the greatest games ever invented. You know, you could say that chess is is probably the greatest game ever invented. Uh, Jujitsu is the the human form of chess. Uh, poker is poker is a blend of the two. Poker is like as close to um, dynamic live sports as you can get. In, in the game world, in my opinion, uh, unless you play video games, and in which case, you know, if you're online with a bunch of other people who are playing, then that's live. I mean, it's it's going, it's happening right now, which is part of the reason why people are so um, obsessed these days with video games, because it does give you that live dynamic feel uh, or experience. <clears throat> Same thing with the internet in general. But, but as far as games go, traditional games, um, poker is one of the best, because it not only... Uh, is there math? Not only is there, um, what do they call it? the random draw of the cards, so you have that that random probability, but you also have uh, the ability to bluff one another, and, and so there's a there's a sort of uh, composure that goes into a game of poker, uh, knowing how to bluff, when to bluff, how to bluff, and and how to call a person's bluff. That that is uh, makes makes poker a very uh, unique and interesting game. Um, so. Anyway, we got Please Call Me Crazy Poker cards at the freepeopleradio.com uh, store if, if you're interested in such things. Um, getting right into the madness, Donald Trump wins New Hampshire. He wins New Hampshire by 40,000, 50,000 votes. I think they're still counting, but but the, uh, the mainstream media has called the race for Donald Trump, which is uh, another victory, another, another good step in the right direction for Donald Trump becoming the, the endorsed Republican candidate uh, for the 2024 presidential election. He's off to an even better start than he was before. When he won back in 2016, uh, I, I don't think that he had won a few of the early caucus, um, a few of the early caucus elections uh, like he has this time. So he's off to an even better start than the last time he won, which is a sign of, of your political awareness and aptitude. We, we, we understand what's been done to Donald Trump. We understand how he's been targeted despite our, our disagreements with the way that he, he speaks or the, the way he behaves or, or, or you know, what things he, he did in his, in his presidency or what things he's done since he's been, been gone from the White House. Despite all of that, 
despite all of those agreements or disagreements, we we as a, a party right now, uh, we as a, a political movement understand what's been done to Donald Trump, or at least what they're trying to do to Donald Trump. And, and by way of what they're trying to do to us, I think one of the most salient points that Donald Trump has has made over the course of the last eight years is they're not really after Donald Trump. They're after all of us and Donald Trump's in the way. And does that mean Donald Trump is perfect? I mean, I hate that we even have to start with that disclaimer. It, it goes without saying nobody's perfect, but I think we often lose sight of it. Uh, still, I think we often lose sight of, 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 uh, you know, all, all of our, all of us have flaws, and all of our flaws, uh, you know, have have a due date, so to speak. And and Donald Trump's no different. And and we have to get over needing uh, this need, this want, this sort of superficial desire for our leaders to be, uh, you know, Christ-like. It's it's not. First of all, it's not going to happen, and that's what we have to. That's that's what we have to accept. Um, our leaders aren't going to be Christ-like. Nobody will really be Christ-like. Uh, and here's the catch to that: I'm not saying you can't try to live or strive to live as Christ did. That's that's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, there's scripture that that calls for us to be perfect, or that you know God would would want us to be perfect the, the same way Christ is, but. The, the real point to make is I, I don't even think I don't even think that the the criteria or standard for your leaders is that they be uh, Christ-like. I think you want them to be Christ. I think a lot of people out there set a bar so high for their leaders that they expect their leaders to be Christ. And you know we, we can look at Donald Trump and let let's take the most obvious example. I mean, the most blatant example where a lot of your, your hardline right-wing conservatives would, would look at Donald Trump from a Christian worldview and say, hey, he had an extramarital affair with Stormy Daniels. King David. King David had a, an extramarital uh, manipulative, highly manipulative covet of, of uh, Bathsheba. And, you know, it, it's and still, yet and still, it, it's, uh, it is consensus in, in the Christian theological community that David is, is very high up uh, in, in heaven, that David was a man after the Lord's own heart. Um, so the same could be said for Moses. I mean, you know, Moses had, had his, uh, his trials and tribulations as well. St. Paul, the same way. Um, so if all of, I mean, do, respectfully, <laughs> Donald Trump doesn't hold a candlestick to these individuals, these, these prophets, these leaders of the, the church, and nor should he, nor does he need to in order to have my support as a, as a presidential candidate. We can't, we, we can't start to disconnect our faith from reality. If we disconnect faith from reality, we're no better than our liberal, leftist, secular counterparts who say that uh, your truth is reality, that your, your fantasy, no matter how unreal it may be, is, is reality. We're no better than them if, if we disconnect our faith from reality. And, and part of the reality of our faith as Christians, as, as conservatives in our country today, is we live in a decadent culture. Our culture is decadent. 
nobody can nobody can transcend the culture that they were born into to some degree. I mean, and that's part of the reason why you could say that 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 man has been uh, I don't want to say doomed because we're not doomed. We have the ability to repent and but but there is a sort of doom on us because we do carry the sins of our parents and and I don't mean that we you know and even yes I think that there's a part of that that's that's theologically and metaphysically accurate but I also would say that that there is more of a uh, metaphor in there there's sort of a, a, a suggestion of the way that the world works from a functional standpoint in a statement that we carry the sins of our parents because many of us become a spitting image of our parents. I mean, you know, and this is where the Bible becomes prophetic, not only in a metaphysical sense, but in a more practical and functional sense. It's the same way. If you read the gospel, if you read uh, Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, it's a mechanism of healing. It can be a mechanism of actual physical healing. Um, the same thing is true. you could say from a, from a psychological and uh, sense as, as as well, um, from a political sense, right? From a cultural and societal sense, there's great profundity to the Bible. There's great prophet, pro- prophetic uh, value in the Bible, and I don't even know where we got off acting like that wasn't the case. That was a bunch of secular Marxist, communist, uh, scientific, technocratic elite that have tried to undermine the Bible since since time immemorial. And, and really, uh, you know, try to drive it home with, with Darwinism and, and other very prominent uh, philosophical academic traditions here in the West. But, but the Bible has always been a good source of, of practical uh, livelihood, the way that the world works, especially between human beings. Um, and and this, this is no different. I mean, yeah, we carry the sins of our parents. We carry the sins of our parents. We, we often become spitting images of our parents. We are, we, are, we are influenced at a young age by the way that our parents, uh, you know, teach us, the way they behave, the way that they love us, the, the way that they don't love us, whatever the case may be. Um, we, we become a product of that environment. Um, we become a product of the environment outside of our home. This is a reality whether you like it or not. And this is where you, we, we come to a very blurry line between nature versus nurture, between the individual and the nuclear family and the greater community. And there is much of the greater community that can come to bear on your child uh, the more your child is in the community. And the more that we've become an industrialized society, uh, one that has uh, work and, and, and play and and, and politics that's beyond the scope of an immediate local community, the more your child will be influenced by the, the broader community. And now we've created a society that's, that's so broad, in fact, that the whole world is, is, is connected. The whole world has, has immediate influence. That's why in my congressional campaign and even now in my senatorial campaign, I'm trying to stress the idea that the global affects the local. Everybody wants to say politics happen locally. Yeah, okay. And until you understand how the Federal Reserve works, and then you then you realize that that politics actually happen globally. 
Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that local politics isn't important. I'm saying that the pendulum swings both ways. And, and when we get caught up on one side of the pendulum and we want it to stay there, we lose sight of 50% of its, 50 of its motion, 50% of its, it, its time, its, 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 exist, its existence. I hope that's not too esoteric. I mean, basically what I'm saying is, you know, we can act like, we can act like uh, the community doesn't affect you. you. We can act like your parents don't affect you. We can, it's, it's futile. We know that it does. And my, my point to draw back to Donald Trump is if we accept that the community has an effect on every single child, that parents have an effect on every single child, that the greater culture of America or the West or even the entire world has an effect on every single child. It's very, very difficult to set the standard, set the bar for your leaders at this Christ level. Number one, I, I mean, think about how different things were today or are today than they were in the days of Christ. Think of how, think of how local um, community was. Think of how local politics were. Think of how local faith was and, and, and culture. I mean, we're so far from that, it's, it's actually scary. And we chose that. And, and I feel like there's a, there's a genuine spirit that lives in us, that resides in us, that yearns to get back to a more simple place. And if you want to get right down to the, the, the bone of the matter, if you want to go right to the signal, I always appreciate when Steve, Steve Bannon says that, that uh, I'm an individual that's all signal, no noise. I pride myself on that. You know, it may be difficult for some people to understand or to go that deep, but, but I pride myself in being one of the few sources out there that will go straight to the heart of the matter. And if we go right to the heart of the matter, we have a choice in society between uh, technology and faith. And along with that faith comes all the things that we, we say that we value, like freedom and, and uh, you know, self-governance, you know number of other things. Freedom of speech, a lot predicated around freedom. But, but as we see the growth of technology, we, we, we whisper that we are starting to lose those values, yet the convenience of technology won't allow us to turn back. And that is the, that is the ultimatum. That is sort of the, the you know, the, the stumbling block that's that's been placed in front of mankind as a whole is is the convenience of technology so so much so that the the technology itself may be our our total demise in the end whether you talk about an all-out nuclear war or some type of biological scourge or whatever the case may be <clears throat> maybe we do find a way to 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 harm the entire planet i don't know i know it won't come from from uh, combustible engines and, and, and cow farts. But, but uh, when you talk about the, you know, the CERN uh, collider, you know, the, 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 the atom collider, the, the neutron collider, maybe. I mean, why would mankind want to cre recreate the Big Bang? First of all, I don't even know that I believe the Big Bang theory. I don't think that there's any real consensus in the scientific community about the Big Bang Theory. 
I think that they, I, and now even if you, this is, and this is what's scary about information and the, the way that narratives get introduced and then people get caught up on them. The Big Bang Theory has long been mainstream scientific consensus. And now there's evidence, certain, certain people, certain prominent mainstream scientists are saying that there could have been a number of Big Bangs. Or that the single Big Bang Theory, just, you know, now that we can see all the way back, supposedly, through high-powered uh, telescopes, which I don't know if I believe either because I'm not an astrophysicist or anything, but, but per their own admission, they don't even know if the Big Bang Theory is, is accurate anymore. And, and we'll always continue to learn more and more. And the universe is a very complex and mysterious place. And my point in bringing that up is if, if we accept that science, technology is, is not static, it's, it's, it's always in motion, the idea that we give up all of these, these fundamental rights, these fundamental things that we value or believe in, in the interest of science, is negligent. It's, it's naive. It's, it's outright stupid. And they want to present it like what they're offering from the scientific uh, side of things is, is much more certain than what God offers from the faith side of things. And there's, there's, not, there's, there's no good math to support that. If, if God is, if there's even a 0.0001% chance, if there's a one one millionth, one one trillionth chance that God is real and heaven and hell are real, then imagine that you would, you would behave in a way for 70 years, some of us only 20 years, some of us die upon arrival, some of us die at 12 and 13 or, or whatever the case may be. Imagine whatever time you have on this earth, in this life, you spend not, not honoring God or not, not believing in God only to have to spend an eternity with that consequence. Does that math make sense? That, that math doesn't, that math doesn't math, does it? I digress. My point is, Donald J. Trump isn't perfect. But the people of New Hampshire have spoken. A large number of the people of New Hampshire have spoken. And we'll continue to see, we'll continue to see Donald Trump's success throughout this, this uh, primary season. The question becomes, and th this is a serious question, who is voting for Nikki Haley? I mean, what is happening here? It's, it's not like she didn't get any votes. I mean, let's just be honest. She is not viable at all. I said it last episode. The greatest sign that Nikki Haley is a globalist is that she gave up her, her governor's seat. She resigned from her governor's seat to become the, the United States ambassador for the United Nations. The United Nations is a scam. And that's why I played the Muammar Gaddafi speech. Do I agree with everything Muammar Gaddafi did in his life? No. Do I believe in all of the, the philosophies and, and politics of, of Muammar Gaddafi's work? No. Do I even really know what Muammar Gaddafi did during his life? Hard to tell. Surely information wasn't as accessible then as it is today. 
And certainly a lot of what we rely upon from the international standpoint comes from an intelligence community that's been disgraced since, since time immemorial. So it's hard to know what to believe about anybody who we don't see with our own two eyes. And that includes people that, that are political, uh, uh, that are politicians here or elected officials here in our own country. Beyond the eyes can, can be deceiving. Beyond my own senses can be very, can be very deceiving. And that's another, uh, that's another uh, dark reality about, about the advancement of technology. Muammar Gaddafi wasn't perfect either. But I'll tell you one thing, systematically dismantled the legitimacy of the United Nations during that 2009 speech. And if you haven't seen it, I, I urge you to stop this podcast right now. Go back and listen to it because it's never been more relevant. Here we are 15 years later. And, and how, my, how time flies. I mean, I think about it all the time. I spend a lot of time, I, I spend a lot, uh, I, I spend a lot of, um, time with with my my alma mater's uh, high school basketball team, just helping out and trying to encourage the young men to to be good young men, to to be better young men, which will make them better athletes, make them better basketball players, but ultimately just be good young men. Um, it was so lacking in today, by the way. Just you know, people who actually even know. People who have enough courage themselves to even direct young men to be good young men. It's so few and far between. So many grown men, so many older men, so many, so many uh, adult men that that have, you know, haven't the first clue what it means to have sacred honor and 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 discipline and and, and uh, fight self doubt, self hatred. And, fear and, and resent and all the things that creep into it. It's just, it's no wonder why we are where we are anyway. I spent a lot of time with, with, with the team and um, it just blows my mind sometimes to think that I was, I was in high school 15 years ago now. Um, time flies. I mean, it really does. And don't get me wrong, a lot has happened in 15 years. It didn't go by quick. It always seems like the past was was just yesterday. I mean, that's kind of one of those uh, temporal, uh, optical illusions, right? It always seems like when I was ten was 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 just yesterday. It wasn't just yesterday. Part of the part of the reason I think why we feel as though time flies is because, well, number one, I mean we are in a small speck of time across the breadth of, of all of history. So there's that. But, but also is because a lot of us don't really find a, a path in life that, that has such substance and meaning to it that, that anything feels like it sticks. And so it's all kind of one transitory existence, if that makes any sense. I mean, if you haven't really found something meaningful to do in your life, if you haven't, or if you can't look back on your past and, and, and see the meaning in it, find the meaning in it, whatever it is that you were a part of, whatever it is that took place, of course you're going to feel like it just all passed by so quickly. Um, so I, and I don't really feel like the 15 years has gone by quick. 
it just shocks me the amount of time and, and just how far we've come in 15 years. And I say 2009 because I was a senior in high school when Muammar Gaddafi made that, that speech at the United Nations. And I remember how it was covered in the mainstream media in 2009. And they basically treated him as, you know, some you know, quacky conspiracy theorist who was, uh, you know, a dictator, despot, you know, autocratic leader in some distant country who dressed funny and uh, something we should, none of us should really take that serious. And it wasn't until about five years later that I refound the speech on the internet and, and really listened to it, the entire thing. And it was translated, and it was translated beautifully uh, so that I, could, that I could understand what he was actually saying. And I, I, could, I could honestly say, I think it was Muammar Gaddafi's speech that was one of the first stones to, to, that, that, that I turned over that got me to questioning the, the structure of our global community or this global agenda or globalism. Now, was he the perfect source? Uh, of course not. Of course not. Nobody would be the perfect source. Donald Trump wouldn't be the perfect source. The two aren't comparable, but in some ways they are. In some ways, they're, in, in some ways there's a laundry list. I, I don't say that to be, you know, uh, pejorative, but there is a laundry list of people who are imperfect, that have many flaws, that have one common denominator. They see the corruption from the establishment that is meant to, to make you feel like uh, they have everything under control. And in some ways, they do have everything under control. And not everything, but in some ways, they have a lot of things under control. And, and that's part of the problem, that things are under their control. And with them being under their control, they, they certainly seem to, to let a lot of things get out of control. You can't have it both ways. Do you have a good control or grasp on things, or don't you, Dr. Fauci? That's a great example. Oh, you know, gain-of-function research is, is, is very necessary. I mean, we have to deal with the, the reality that at any time a plague could, could break out and wipe out the entire population, or whatever the case may be, whatever his excuse is, whatever his excuse was. I know what the excuse was. That gain-of-function research is worth the risk of being the, the, the springboard to the very plague that they say they're trying to protect us from. The, 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 the nuclear weapons are, are, the, are supposed to be the, the deterrent, the, the, the answer and solution to the very all-out nuclear war or nuclear holocaust they say that they're protecting us from. This is scientific technocratic elites pissing on you and telling you it's champagne. Not just that it's raining. I mean, that'd be one thing. Piss on me, tell me it's raining. Okay. Piss on me, tell me it's champagne. That I can't distinguish the difference between the smell of urine and the smell of champagne. That's a different, that's a different level. And uh, that's what we have. That's what we have here. No doubt about it. Leaders that we're going to need to draw from are all going to be imperfect. They're all going to be flawed. They were born into a decadent culture. They were born into a culture. They were born into a society that intentionally brainwashed them, that intentionally corrupted them, that intentionally uh, taught them that the way to be successful is to carry a certain ability to, to lie your way to the top. 
These are fundamental tenets now of our culture and society. So to think that some of our leaders would come without it is, is naive. Does that mean we shouldn't judge people on the content of their character? No. No, and we don't give a universal pass to anybody for any and all things that they do. But let's put it into perspective, okay? Good or bad by comparison. And right now, Donald J. Trump and Nikki Haley aren't even a question. It's, it's not even remote. It, there's, there's not e- it's not even remotely a question of who is a better candidate. It's not even a question. Nikki Haley is not even a viable option. I don't understand who voted for her. And I want all of you to understand that while Donald Trump may come out victorious, the math, the, the, the numbers, the signal from the noise in Iowa and in New Hampshire, <clears throat> but more so in New Hampshire, is that there are actually American citizens who can't see beyond the, the, the facade that is Nikki Haley. It's a, it's a, her whole, her whole deal is a scam. She doesn't even look genuine. That's my, I, I, I mean, at least, look, at least with Barack Obama, everybody fell into the Barack Obama scam, uh, uh, you know, the Barack Obama, um, act. <laughs> everybody fell, a lot of, a lot of people fell victim to it. Okay. A lot of smart people. Even Alex Jones says, man, I I actually wanted to believe that Barack Obama was who he said he was. He has since obviously acknowledged, accepted when Barack Obama showed us who he really was. And there's plenty of evidence to that point of who Barack Obama really was and what interest he served. But at least Barack Obama had a good act. Honest to God. I mean, at least Barack, if, if, you, if you actually believed Barack Obama, if you still believe Barack Obama now, the one thing you can say about Obama is that at least his act was good. I mean, he's as good, a, he's as, good an actor as, they, as, as you could find. So much so that you couldn't, you, you'd be hard-pressed to convince me that, that Barack Obama wasn't either raised up or highly trained by people who are highly trained. You'd be hard-pressed to convince me. That's how good he is. Or, they, or that's how good the selection committee was. Whoever selected him, whoever recruited him, whoever vetted him for, for, for that position, that's how good they are. That's how good they are at choosing because his act is good. He's an incredible speaker, an incredible public speaker. Now that you Now once you know that he's full of shit, you can go back and listen to all his speeches and hear how, you know, amateur he really is, that even he is. I mean, even he doesn't have a a real uh, deep level of authenticity. He's articulate and he's polished. He does well not to to make mistakes during his speeches, although there are some mistakes that you can now go back and and see or hear. But everybody's going to make mistakes with with their speeches. Everybody's going to, I mean, you you know, give me a break. That I'm not even judging that. It's the it's the substance of of his presidency. It's the it's the things that he stood for, and even more importantly, the things that he himself introduced and promoted more so than any other presidential candidate in his era. One of them being how many missile drone strikes he he did on black and brown people in the in the Middle East. 
The second one would obviously be the, the trans agenda, not the LGBTQ agenda, but specifically the trans agenda. So those are the two, uh, uh, you know, those are the two Uh, I, what he was, those are those are the two calling cards of Barack Obama's presidency. Military industrial complex, yeah, and uh, the trans movement, which is Marxism, you know, whittled all the way down to to a sort of identity politics that that had no choice but to to seek a level of perversion. So so detached from reality as to not even really be recognizable in the, in the, in the sense of, of logic or, or, or rationale. And it's not, it's not recognizable. You're going to let men box with women. You're going to let, you're going to let men who were born male get in a ring and box with women uh, physically bo- in, a, in a sport where people die. I mean, you don't, you don't play boxing. You don't play mixed martial arts. You don't play bare knuckle, uh, you know, bare knuckle fighting. It's it's not a it's not really a game. There are real physical consequences to those types of competitions, and we're going to let men, we're going to let biological men fight women, and we're going to say that it's in the interest of equality, gender equality. We're going to say we're doing it in the interest of women. That we're doing it because we love women and we want to protect women. We want to give women equal access to what? To, to death? I mean, this is like a, this is satanic. I mean, that really is satanic. There's nothing more. I mean, if you're a, a man with any self-respect, any sense of sacred honor, there's nothing more satanic, demonic in nature than to put a woman in a ring, a closed ring, a closed amount of space with a man and have a fight to the death. There's nothing remotely appropriate about that. There's nothing, there's nothing sane or logical about that, but that's what we've done. And Barack Obama was, was, uh, you know, one of the, one of the leaders of that movement. But aside from Barack Obama's, you know, leadership and and those two things still yet and still yet and still he was very very polished his act was good his his act was grade a okay leaps and bounds uh, ahead of nikki haley i mean nikki haley's not even she's not even putting on a good show it's it's not even it's not even remotely believable. So I ask again, who's who's actually voting for? Who's who's voting for Nikki Haley? Even in New Hampshire, independent voters? Independent voters are voting for Nikki Haley? Who's voting for? I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't imagine a circumstance where I would vote for Nikki Haley. If it came down to a choice between Nikki Haley and Joe Biden, in good conscience, I couldn't even vote for Nikki Haley. I'd have to write in Donald. Obviously, the, the move would be to write in Donald Trump's name, but I'd actually abstain from voting rather than vote between, you know, pick between two 
two options like Nikki Haley and Joe Biden because there, there's no difference. There really is no difference. And, and party politics have made it where we actually believe there's somewhat of a difference. There's no difference between Nikki Haley and Joe Biden. So, you know, Donald J. Trump is not perfect. He's not perfect. But he's leaps and bounds better than, than anybody else that's, that's out there. Leaps and bounds better. And the, and the American people are, are speaking up. They see it. Black people all across the country, they're speaking up. They see it. We, we, all, we all know. We, we all understand. You can't scare us with the white man bad, the white man boogie man. We can't. That's not going to work. That's not going to We're not that dumb. You think we're dumb. We're not that dumb. I know a lot of, a lot of these political elites, a lot of these, uh, you know, political consultants, thought leaders, think tanks, whatever the case may be. I know you all are very impressed with your own education and your own IQ. We're not that dumb. We're not that dumb. I'm not that smart. If I could see through it, other people can see through it. They're not dumb. They're not dumb. The question is, how do you all plan to cheat? How, how do you all plan to fudge the vote this time? Because, see, last time the narrative was still, was still strong enough uh, against Donald Trump that, that you, you, could almost, you could almost feel that there were a number of people in the country or a huge number of people in the country that, believed in in the propaganda around Donald Trump. They, you know, you'd, you'd be surprised. A lot of you would be surprised. Many people would be surprised at just how powerful the mainstream media and pop propaganda is. You'd be surprised how long they can hold the narrative. My own story is a great example. You, you know... <laughs> I can't tell you how many people come up to me still to this day and say, ah, well, you, you know, are you, are you still afraid to fly? Can you, can you still, are you still unable to fly? And part of it is the mainstream media knows that the, the, the mainstream media is, is expert and masterful in yellow journalism. Yellow journalism. Headlines. And they know people read headlines and they formulate opinions based on headlines. And this is them insulting you. And in many ways, YouTube has, has, has taken on much of what mainstream media built in that regard. That's why titles are, are one of the leading um, factors in algorithm. What you title a video is one of the, the, the thumbnail you put on a video. This is no different than the front of a newspaper. Each individual video that you go to select and you, and you select that video based on the thumbnail and the title, it's no different than, than picking up a newspaper. And a lot of people find themselves formulating opinions based on titles and thumbnails, headlines, or the first few minutes of content. People can't even watch something all the way through. And that's why, you know, we, we, we're not changing the podcast. Will we give you shorter content? Will we give you clips? Yeah, fine. But the attention span is so bad with the TikTokification of the Internet, and that's what we have now. Ever since, the, you know, the reels are the number one, and, and that's the scary part, right, is <laughs> they're doing it right in front of your face. You think the reels are a good thing. You think that the shorts are a good thing. You, you, 
You think that's that's an improvement. You think it's convenient that you just swipe through the content you like and don't like. They're frying your brain. They're frying your attention span. Even some of the long-form podcasts, I'd be shocked to see how much, how much, uh, you know, a, a retention there is, or, or uh, you know, how how long people are watching the content. Now, at the high level, people come and watch it in segments, and that's a good thing. But that's why we're not changing the podcast. When 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 people when people get wise enough to understand the the level of nuance and critical thought they will need in order to take back some of the the self governance that's been been robbed from them by their political elites, then the podcast will be huge. Until then, hey, an army of 10,000, 10,000 warriors is better than 300,000 slaves. 10,000 free warriors who believe in God, family, and country are better than 300,000 slaves. It proved that that's the story of Spartan, the, the 300. That's the story of the 300 Spartans. That the Spartan soldiers were actually soldiers. And when they came up against an army of, of indentured served, uh, indentured, indentured uh, servants or, or slaves or, or other conquered, conquered warriors from, from many different lands under the, the Persian Empire or you know, King Xerxes' rule, when they came up against them, they they were no match. That that you know a a, a million to a million a million to one. A hundred thousand to one, five hundred three hundred thousand versus three hundred. A thousand to one. No match. Because they were actually soldiers. That's what we need now. We need soldiers, we need leaders. And we need to be honest about who, you know, let's start the whole kumbaya. Let's stop with the kumbaya. There is no kumbaya. No more kumbayas. No more happy talk. Something is gravely wrong in the conservative movement. Something is gravely wrong in the Republican Party that 100,000 people in New Hampshire actually voted for Nikki Haley. Something is broken in the brain of the conservative the modern American conservative, or even independent, that they would actually vote for Nikki Haley, that they watch Nikki Haley speak, they look at her mannerisms and think, there's a person who I would want to lead the country at this moment in history. It's hard for me to believe. It actually makes me, it actually makes me question the legitimacy of the entire electoral process. Really, it does, because I'm ha- I actually am having trouble believing that anybody would vote for Nikki Haley. Honestly, I, 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 I'm not saying it to be funny. I genuinely have trouble believing that anybody would vote for Nikki Haley, that anybody would, would think Nikki Haley is, is a good candidate for the most powerful office in the world. Nikki Haley. I mean, are we looking at the same person? Are we watching the same person? This is a person who you can't trust at all. I mean, you can't trust anything she says. 
at least Donald Trump has proven that there are things he, he, he said he would do that he did. Some things he did, some things he tried to do, some things he was kept from doing. But there's a level of authenticity in Donald Trump. And really, when you get right down to it, I think the real, the real animus towards Donald Trump has nothing. And I've said this before, but it, it, it is as relevant today as it has ever been. I don't think that the animosity towards Donald Trump or the dislike for Donald Trump has anything to do with his corruption. Whatever corruption may exist, and we all have corruption in us. But I don't think that people's problem with Donald Trump has anything to do with this corruption, has anything to do with his flaws, has anything to do with his sins. I don't think, I, I'm not buying that. Not only because we all have those sins in us and in ourselves, or else our society wouldn't be the way it is, but more importantly, we know, we know for a fact that even if we accept that Donald Trump has flaws and sins and corruption in him, it's nothing that we don't or haven't accepted from many of our political leaders, many of our political leaders uh, that are still vying for political power today. And we still find a way to, to um, accept them, promote them. <laughs> I mean, we still put Barack Obama and Michelle Obama up on, on posters as if we don't know that their corruption is, is as long as train smoke. And it is. And even more so what they're tied into. The global political culture that they're tied into. The corruption is as long as train smoke. So I'm not buying that people have an animosity towards Donald Trump because of, of his wrongdoings. It's much more likely. It makes much more sense. It's much more mathematical that people have a problem with Donald Trump because he is authentic. People have a problem with Donald Trump because he won't bend to what everybody else wants him to be or wants him to say. And whether I like him or not personally doesn't matter. I like people who others in a corrupt society don't like because they won't bend to the masses. They won't conform. I like a nonconformist if I'm living in a culture that's decadent. But if I don't agree that the culture is decadent, then of course I, I can't get my brain wrapped around an idea like that. But many of you would agree we live in a decadent culture. I think, I mean, I would hope so. But hey, you know, some of you are, you know, have joined the satanic temple because the, the, the you know, the, the church and, and the, Christian, uh, the Christian religion is so oppressive and, and, and so uh, conspiratorial that it's just not a tenable option. It's not a viable option for, for American citizens or for, you know, global citizens anymore. I mean, give me a break. So you join the satanic temple? You're a Satanist, you're a, you're a witch, you know, you're online with the beads and the, and the crystal balls and the, you know, you know, doing your little seances and your Ouija boards and all this other weird, weird shit you people are into. Okay, fine, fine. I mean, if you, if you, if you, okay, have at it. Just don't think we're that stupid. See, black people, for the most part in this country, we're not into no Ouija board shit. We're not into the Satanism and the witchcraft and all of the, all of the weird satanic demonic things. We're not into that. If anything, the furthest, the, the furthest you'll find the black community off into the, the, 
the world of alternative, uh, non-mainstream spiritualism, you know, a comedic science or like the, the Hebrew Israelites, which is still within the fold of, of Christianity for the most part. Abrahamic faith, obviously, because they're the Hebrew Israelites. So I don't even want to count them or the Muslims for that matter, the nation of Islam. I'm talking about black people here in America. The furthest off you'll get is people who are into comedic science or, or you know, something, something of that variety. But even in the comedic science, I mean, and yeah, and yeah, I mean, you can get some occultism type type stuff going on out there. But even in the comedic science, it more deals with with knowledge, with with basic. It's it's more rooted in you know mathematical understanding. It's it's more of a mathematical uh, view of the world versus uh, some type of esoteric spiritualism. But some of you white liberals out there, I, I, I got to be honest, and some of you black people are falling victim, and, and people of other races as well. Not making it a racial thing. But the amount of white liberals I'm seeing out there that have become witches and wizards and and fairies and pixies and and you know uh, Satanists, occultists, is alarming. And it's my age group. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't understand this, all you have to do is go to social media, browse around, and and find the people that are around my age that are from like uh, say twenty two to thirty four. People are openly, and, and you know, uh, celebrating witchcraft, straight up witchcraft, like it's a fad. And and so you know, my thing is to go, <laughs> to go back. Um, when we're talking about people who who have uh, a sort of affinity to blood worship, sacrifice, human sacrifice, um, occultism. Do we really think those kind of people are 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 disgusted by Donald Trump's uh, uh, extramarital affairs? Do we really think though? Do we really think the the, the Satanists are are disturbed? Are so disturbed by by Donald Trump's lack of couth or, or civility, political correctness? I mean, why would we let a, a political party, a political movement that is so rabidly aligned with with satanic worldview, satanic cultural practices. Why would we allow them to to be the to be the uh, adjudicators of what is socially acceptable, morally good, politically viable? Where are we where are we going? What what have we done? It starts to make me wonder if some of you are even real people. I mean the lack of logic in it is so profound. Uh, I start to wonder, are these people real people? Or are maybe maybe very few people are involved in the political process at all, and all of the numbers are being are being uh forged. I mean, uh, you know, are are fraudulent. I don't know. I don't but let's start to ask those questions. What about this seems logical? What about what about us allowing a political movement that associates with with cultural practices of Satanism and occultism and blood worship or, or or human sacrifice. What about allowing that group of people to set the the standards 
for morals and ethics seems logical. See, the black community doesn't even realize it yet. That's what I, that's what I know to be a fact because I'm in the black community and, and, and I know what black people are paying attention to. Black people are very um, consumed with uh, black culture, <laughs> mostly of the entertainment variety, whether it's sports or, or it's, it's music or, or, or some other form of entertainment, and then all the inter-gossip that, that goes on within those entertainment narratives. Black people are very, very consumed with that shit, which is an indictment of black people. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you, too much gossip. Gossip will kill you. Let's just say that. Gossip will kill you intellectually and spiritually. It also might kill you physically, but it definitely kill you spiritually and intellectually. We're a very gossip, gossip-based community. Oh, girl, did you hear about, I don't give a fuck. Don't tell me. I don't, I don't, I don't care. Oh, did you see, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. No, I didn't see it. No, I, no, I don't, I don't, I don't follow shit like that. I tell people. I could just go look at what you follow and know a lot about who you are. And all you, you know, you know, you, know, you might not like it. You follow the shade room, you're, you're a fucking moron. You follow the shade room, you follow Kim Kardashian, hell, you know, you, you follow uh, one of these, you're a moron, sorry. And in that way, a part of the establishment and the, a, part of the, a part of the machine has you brainwashed in an entirely different way, but just as effective. But at least, I mean, at least there's a sort of benign, there's a sort of benignness to that, that brainwashing. It's not rooted in wickedness, evil. In some ways it can be, in some ways it is, but, but for the most part, black people ain't going to the satanic temple. You find a satanic temple and you tell me how many black people are there. Honestly, and this is where if you want to talk about race for all of you, you know, all of you uh, white superiority folks out there and talk about IQ. How fucking dumb do you have to be to join the satanic temple? And why is there a, 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 a why is there a, an overrepresentation of white people involved in satanic and occultism? Tell me that, Nick Fuentes. Nikki Boy, Nikki Boy Fuentes, answer that question. Uh, all of you other people out there who want to talk about race as a, as you know, as a, as a scientific certitude, a sort of scientific certitude. Tell me that. Let's talk about IQ. I mean, on average, how fucking dumb do you have to be to get yourself involved in occultism? And if you really want to get even more to the heart of the matter, where does occultism uh, come from? Where does the modern theophis, uh, the, uh, theosophical society type of, of uh, Helena Blavatsky occultism come from? It doesn't just come from, I mean, Helena Blavatsky was, was a Russian Jew, but it doesn't just come from Jews. The Germanic people were occultists. The Germanic people fought against the Roman Empire, the Holy, then the Holy Roman Empire, and much of the 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 war between the two 
um, you could say was was predicated on land and, and things like that. But but they had a fundamental uh, a fundamental difference of of faith of metaphysical understanding. The Holy Roman Empire, obviously a monotheistic uh, faith based culture, and the Germanic tribes, uh, uh, polytheistic faith-based culture. You can go look it up. It's right there in the history. I mean, it's not, this ain't hidden. This is why when you see the swastika and you, if you, you know, you may see the swastika as some symbol of, of uh, neoliberal, neoconservative uh, political bruja. But when people who actually know the history, ancient history, ancient civilizations, we see the swastika and know that it's a rune. And we can look at the swastika and we can look at some of the runes that are still flown in the Germanic east part of, of Eastern Europe uh, from certain national entities such as the Ukraine. We know what runes are. Some of us. Some people don't know. Some people watch too much reality TV. Some people follow the shade room too much to know what a rune is. And that's scary. I mean, that, that, that actually is quite quite uh, scary. But some of us know what a rune is. Some of us know that the runes were, were, were symbols of a nature religion that, that had a polytheistic bent. And some of us even know that when the Germanic tribes clashed with the, the, the tribes, or not the tribes, but the outposts, the, the legions, the armies of the, the Roman Empire, um, that, that some of those Germanic tribes uh, were forced to adopt Christianity. Some of those Germanic tribes were forced to uh, suppress their, their polytheistic faith. And as a response, some of them took the antagonist in the Christian faith, and he, they placed him right there next to their own pantheon of, of, of gods. So Satan was adopted into the pantheon of, of Germanic polytheistic gods. They sat him right next to them in the basement where they were forced to, to, to worship in private. And, and, part of, and part of that story, you could say, the, the, the lived memory and the DNA of the, the European settlers that would eventually settle here in America understood the, the danger of forcing people to suppress their faith, no matter how deviant or, or divergent it may seem to the mainstream faith community. Yes, we're Christians, but we don't want, we don't want the satanic temple not to be able to, to practice their faith freely which is how the satanic temple is now becoming somewhat of a semi-popular thing amongst the liberals and then really the anti-Christians. Go figure. Um, but we understand that that, that suppression of, of freedom of faith and freedom of speech and freedom of, of religious practice becomes a danger that people start to resent. And then before you know it, you from a, from a metaphysical and spiritual sense, You've, you've now recruited people to Satan's cause for him just through your own 
your own sense of uh, aggrandizement and, and fiat. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we shouldn't allow people to be in the satanic temple. I'm not saying that we should outlaw the satanic temple. I'm not saying that we should make Satanism punishable by death or even jail time. Let people worship Satan if they want to. Fine. Fine. I don't think it's a good idea, personally. But you're an American citizen. You get to walk that path on your own. But what I'm going to ask is, how do we, how do we think people who worship those type of religions, how do we think they're fit for leadership? That's different. Those are two totally different questions. Do you have the right? Just, and this is why I point out on my social media all the time. I did it again this week, and I saw a guy who uh, who jumped from, like, the fourth story on a building. It was snowing. There, there was snow. There was a snow cover on the ground. And he jumped from, like, the fourth story. And there was a – looked like they had constructed a big snow pile. And I guess they were just trying to see how, you know, they, maybe there's a Guinness Book of World Records of how far you could jump with – you know, and, and land successfully without being injured or, or, or something strange like that. These are other things that make me think that some people aren't even real people, but, you know, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just uh, too rigid in, in, in my worldview. Maybe, maybe jumping, maybe trying, maybe, you know, trying to experiment on how far you could jump from a fucking building is valuable. Um, Anyway, I saw a video and he jumped from like the fourth story and he hit the snow pile and he seemed to be okay. I mean, he sprung up and he gave the thumbs up and they cheered. Yes. Yeah. You know, like it was some huge accomplishment, some huge physical feat. Uh, and and I just I just thought to myself, fine. Now, now, in that case, I actually think that should probably be illegal. I mean, in, in uh, endangering yourself with that sort of blatant at that with that type of blatancy is kind of I mean you now you're pushing the line right I mean where where does that end and that's what I said on social media where does that end I mean how high are you going how high up are you going to go I don't get it and and there isn't there like a threshold then like let's let's say let's say at four stories I can successfully jump into a pile of snow and not be injured okay once I reach five stories, whatever that limit is, let's say I set that record. Let's say I set that limit. Doesn't the the the, the physical human anatomy kind of bound bind everybody to that threshold? Meaning, I mean, how many more people need to do it or need to raise it to realize that everybody at six stories is going to break their fucking back? Not many, right? I mean, so what the, the whole pursuit of it is kind of strange to me. I don't these are people who didn't really play any real sports and, and, and they don't understand that, that records uh, achievement, physical achievement is set by, by a, a margin that's so small. And it usually has to do with skill and talent and discipline and rigor. It, it's not something you just stumble into. But again, when you have an internet where everybody's the, the star in their own little reality sitcom, their own little reality show, everybody's living in their own little fantasy I guess everybody thinks they can become relevant or, or, or uh, you know, historic by whatever means necessary, any means necessary. I start to wonder, like, 
Remember they used to have these uh, these disclaimers on on TV that say like these are trained professionals. Don't try this at home. How is it that my podcast about January six always has a little content disclaimer underneath here on YouTube, but people can jump from fucking the tops of buildings or or go parachuting with no parachute or or uh, I don't know, jump from one skyscraper to the next skyscraper, uh, you know, whatever. All this dangerous, you know, high risk behavior, and there's no disclaimer whatsoever. <laughs> Is anybody starting to wonder what's going on here? I am. I am. I mean, this may seem like a tangent, but but it, my point is, it all goes back to to what I'm what I'm saying about Nikki Haley is who's voting for? At least Barack Obama was good at speaking. At least his at least his act was polished. At least he gave that kind of you know run of the mill Manchurian candidate kind of kind of vibe. There's nothing authentic about there's nothing there's nothing authentic about Nikki Haley. There's nothing sort of perfectly inauthentic about Nikki Haley. But maybe some of us like that. Maybe some of us need maybe some of us think that's actually uh what 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 this country needs. Another another puppet. Another polite polished puppet. Right. Maybe that's exactly what the Republican Party needs. A Nikki Haley I mean, you people who vote for Nikki Haley, just, just, just you know, we, we don't, be, I, I don't believe you. You're not Republicans. You're not conservatives. You're not patriots. You're not, you're, you're, uh, you're Democrats. Even more importantly, it's not even about Republicans and Democrats. You're globalists. Nikki Haley is a globalist. She gave up her governor's seat to become the United States ambassador to the UN. United Nations is a scam, sine qua non of globalism. World War II was a sine qua non of globalism, you could say. And then, you know, the United Nations, after the, after the fact, is, is, the, is the construction of a global government, a global governing agency. Nothing legitimate about the United Nations. You can't even say, I don't even know if you can say that on YouTube. I mean, that tells you how illegitimate it is. If you can't even could, this is part of the reason why I played the, the Muammar Gaddafi speech. I had a podcast taken down for criticizing a, a, a subsidiary of the United Nations. And maybe even saying that will cause me to have this episode taken down. But think about the idea that you can't criticize the United Nations. Even if they had a a stellar record. Even if the United Nations had some stellar uh, record of performance, I, 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 you know, it, I would say it's wrong that we can't criticize them. Even if they, even if they had a perfect record, we still should be able to criticize them. That's what it means to be American. But their record is piss poor. And the clip with Muammar Gaddafi laid that out, especially when he says, we need to open the assassination files. These, war <coughs> these wars that have taken place after, after the inception of the United Nations, what, 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 what reason, what reason can be given that these wars took place? Who sanctioned them? 
Where was the Security Council? Does the Security Council really exist? Well, right now, for example, why is the, you know, why, why is, if, if what Russia is doing is so bad, if, if what the Russians are doing is, 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 is a war crime, is illegal, why haven't they voted to, uh, you know, why haven't they load, voted to expel Russia from the United Nations or from the Security Council? What, 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 what are they waiting on? If it's, it's, if it's so unanimously believed, if it's so unanimously supported that Russia is the aggressor in this situation, in this conflict, why hasn't the entire Security Council and the General Assembly come together to vote Russia off of the Security Council? Or to expel them from the, the General Assembly of the United Nations or the Security Council altogether? I think there's a little bit more at play than meets the eye. I think that the consensus isn't, isn't, isn't what they want you to believe it is. Nikki Hayes, I posted a picture earlier today with, uh, on, on Twitter of uh, Amy Klobuchar, John McCain, Senator, uh, you know, uh, Lindsey Graham, all there in the Ukraine back in 2014 with the, with the Ukrainian soldiers. And if you look close enough in the room, you probably could find a rune or two. And am I saying all the Ukrainian soldiers are Nazis? No. But what I'm saying is, when you talk about history and culture, which we often want to talk about, there's a history there in the Ukraine. There's a history there in the, between, the, between the Roman Empire, the Germanic tribes, and the Slavic and Russian Empire. There's a history. And that history can't be overlooked. That history isn't forgotten. Imagine you want us to you want us to trade our American citizenship. The 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 globalists, neocon, neoliberal, rules-based order, the new world order, the party of Davos and all these other anti-American uh legions of, of omnisexual cosmopolitan elites. You all want us to trade in our American citizenship based on based on what happened back in the in the sixteen and seventeen hundreds. But, but we're supposed to forget about the history there between Russia, Ukraine, or, or the Russians, the, German, the, German, the Germanics, and the, and, the, and the Romans there uh, in, in, that, in, in the same time period. You, you, what, what gives you the right? What gives you the right to be so selective? What gives you the right to have such an unequaled application of of historical analysis. What gives you the audacity to come before the American people and pretend that we should all buy in to this lack of logic, to this lack of consistency, to this hypocrisy? If the Russians are going to end up being the enemies of Americans, it has been in the past, so too it may be in the future. Okay. But no matter who my enemies are, I'm not going to let my own Elites and leaders set a standard of such dishonesty. And you black folks better get real wise to this game. Now, you were wise when you didn't take the vaccine, and I, and, and I, and I respect that. Black people were the most unvaccinated, but somehow, if you're vaccine hesitant, you're a uh, domestic terrorist? I think that's racist. 
I think all you white liberals who try and shame people who didn't want to take the vaccine are racist. Because black people were the number one group of people in the country who didn't want to take it. Racist. There, I said it. I'm playing the race card on you. That's racist. But black people better get wise to this other part of the game. And the other part of the game is, is we're going to have a selective application of history that, that, that sort of makes you feel special, that makes your history special. Your history's not that special, black people. Everybody, everybody wants to believe that their own history is special. Everybody wants to believe their own family is special. Everybody wants to believe that they themselves individually are special. And yes, you all are special in God's eyes, but, but that doesn't mean that other people don't have a history as well. That other people are special too. Other people have stories too. Other people have, have history too. The whole racket is, is your history is, is so special. And so focus on your history and let us deal with the other history. Let us deal with the history there in the Middle East. Let us deal with the history there in, 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 in Southeast Asia. Let us deal with the history there in, 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 in the Baltic states or, or, or in, in the heartland. Let us deal with the history there in Great Britain. Let us deal with that history. You just worry about your history. You, you, you stay focused on the C. And, and, and why do you think that the CRT and, and, and this would be, this is the real litmus test for CRT. How does the CRT, how does the, the explaining of black people, melanated people, whatever they say in those classes, I never taken one, so I don't know. But how does the explanation of our history, or is the explanation of our history, drawn by comparison to other history? Is there any attempt to, to draw similarities between our history and other history. Specifically as it pertains to government. These are the questions we must ask. You want to talk about territorial disputes? You want to talk about what land rightfully belongs to who? How do we go? Where, where, where do you want to draw those lines? Who's the authority? I mean, this is a dangerous, this is a dangerous place to be in intellectually. Because when you get right down to it, the, the, the victor, the, the spoils usually go to the victor. And that's the way it's been with, with human beings, with mankind, since we first stood up. I say that as a tongue-in-cheek facetious way to, to you know, take a, a slight jab at the Darwinists who, who believe we, we came from monkeys. But my point is, even by their own accord. There's always been territorial disputes. There's always been one tribe of, of Neanderthals that came to another tribe and, and they fought it out and maybe they, maybe they submitted, maybe they didn't. And the chances that in the, in, the, in the event that they didn't, one tribe probably killed the other tribe and there was probably a small war back and forth over a prolonged period of time until the victor went the spoils. And, 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 as, and as so those spoils benefited the next generation of whoever was born into that next generation. Nobody really complained. Or sometimes they did, and sometimes disputes waged on for hundreds of years. Okay. That's definitely what's going on between Great Britain and the Russian Empire. 
the great game is still in effect between the, the British Empire and the Russian Empire. If you, if you don't understand it, look it up. The great game. The Russian Empire and the British Empire. It's right there for you to find. So, uh, you know, how are we going to settle this? I don't know. I'm, I'm not, look, I'm, I'm not saying that I have all the answers, but I know, I know enough to damn sure ask the right questions, and I definitely know when I'm being hoodwinked, when I'm being lied to. Don't let them lie to you. Don't let them tell you Nikki Haley's a viable option. She's a great option because she knows how to deal with Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin would laugh Nikki Haley out of the fucking room. You think Vladimir Putin's going to come to the table and negotiate with Nikki Haley? Give me a fucking break. Got a better chance with Joe Biden, to be quite honest. Got a better chance with Joe Biden. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Nikki Haley's not viable at all. And then she had, and this is where they really go off the rails. And this is, this is absolutely the most scary thing I saw. Nikki Haley made the claim that, that Donald Trump is the only candidate that Joe Biden can beat. I mean, how hard, how hard do you have to shield to say something like that? Is she implying that the 2020 election was legitimate? Is she implying that there was no corruption in the 2020 election? How can she, how can she in good, in good conscience, how can she with a straight face claim to be America first and, and so flippantly, so flippantly dismiss those of us out there who, who believe that our elections lack integrity? These are to be your leaders? Joe Biden is the only, uh, uh, Donald Trump is the only Republican candidate that Joe Biden can, can beat. Nikki Haley should be disqualified from contention on that basis alone. And honestly, I don't know another, I don't know where Nikki Haley, she, she might as well go back and work for Boeing. Go back and work for Boeing or go work for Lockheed or, you know, go use your, your, your political capital and, and your relationships to, uh, to, uh, make a fortune, you know, with the military-industrial complex. Because no matter who is elected, I, I don't see the military-industrial complex uh, slowing down anytime soon. That would take a, a real radical candidate um, at, at the likes of which I don't know that we could, even, we could even have right now because of how entrenched the military-industrial complex is in all things. That's going to be a slow fight. That's going to be a fight that really has to change at a, at a spiritual level in the hearts and minds of American citizens. But Nikki Haley should just retire and, you know, who would vote for her anywhere? South Carolina, anywhere. Who would vote for Nikki Haley after saying that? House, Senate, governor? Who would vote for her? I mean, imagine believing that, imagine still believing that there was no, there was no, corruption in the 2020 election none and what you you have to live in fantasy world you have to follow the shade room you have to watch reality tv the real housewives of bumfuck 
You have to you have to be a person that goes to the fourth story of a building and jumps into a pile of snow just to see if you could do it. You have to be the kind of person that goes to the satanic temple or believes that that occultism and blood worship or human sacrifice is a, is a, is a fruitful uh, faith practice. You have to believe that black people have the only history worth worth noting, the only history worth worth teaching. You have to believe in a bunch of shit that a lot of people out there believe in. This has been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy. Brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us. Help fund the movement. Help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I'm your host, Royce White. I'm here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota. This was episode 158. We appreciate your viewership and listenership today and in the future. Again, if you want, visit freepeopleradio.com. You can find out more about where to watch and listen to the podcast, as well as follow us on social media. If you go to the store tab on our website, you can find our, our store where we have a lot of merchandise related to the podcast. You can also go to freepeopleradio.store directly where that merchandise is located. Um, RoyceWhite.us, my Senate campaign website. You can make a donation. Small dollar, small dollar donations are extremely appreciated. Obviously, we're fighting the biggest, uh, the biggest financial uh, leviathan in, in the history of human civilization. Especially, you know, when you when you talk about politics, when a Mark Zuckerberg puts two hundred fifty million of his own dollars into an election, the twenty twenty election, which in many ways could be seen as election tampering. Um, we're up against a, we're up against a big machine, but I don't even think we really, I don't even really think it's about the money. I think the money is a cover story for them to justify when, and if they may need to cheat or is a way for them to try and control the narrative, but we have a choice. The referendum is on us. If, if, if you're dumb enough to believe that the, the political ad that comes across your, your Facebook page or, or comes across your 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 YouTube experience in between watching the content that you love. If you're stupid enough to believe those political ads without double and triple checking and cross-referencing, then you deserve to end up in a gulag and you will. You deserve to be a slave and you will. You already are, but it it'll get worse, trust me. When the CCP's running things, when when the when the sort of political worldview and philosophy that exists there in Beijing uh, of the CCP is running things globally and they're the new uh, economic hegemony of the, the, the global uh, economy. You'll know what it's like to be a Uyghur. You'll know what it's like to be a, a Uyghur Muslim in East Turkestan or, or a house Christian or, or one of the Tibetans. You'll, you'll know, you'll, you'll, you'll find out really quick how much attention you should have paid to those types of, of stories when people like me were telling you about them four years ago. But hey, you know, some of you won't know until the door closes behind you and you're looking around and you're going, oh my goodness, how on earth did I end up in a concentration camp? Would have never thought, just yesterday I was watching Real Housewives of, of, of Beverly Hills and now I'm, now I'm in a concentration camp. What, what, what has happened? You know, and you have that 
deer in the headlights look on your face. And meanwhile, the guy like me next to you in the cell will be, will be devising a plan, you know, to, to, to get out uh, 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 of, of, of bondage. But that's, that's the way it goes. Anyway, um, go to the Senate website. Make a donation if you're so inclined. Uh, if not, get ready for caucuses. Caucuses are coming in February. We need everybody who's a, a Donald Trump supporter to flood the caucuses. Uh, the caucuses are very important. You know, if you haven't joined the Republican Party already, you can join the Republican Party at caucus. You can come into the Republican Party during caucus. You can become, uh, you know, a delegate. Right now in, in New Hampshire, in the New Hampshire elections, you see them talking about delegates. That has to do with the, the inner party political process of, of the Republican, the Republican uh, apparatus, the Republican Party. Um, Become a delegate. You want to become a delegate. The delegates are going to decide who gets endorsed. They're also going to decide who is the chair of the RNC. And who the RNC leadership is, is will matter. One of the first things Donald Trump has, one of the first things Donald Trump has to do when he wins in November is clean out the RNC. And he has the power to do it single-handedly. He has the power to, to, um, to change the face and, and, and change the, the makeup of, of the RNC. Because we need institutions that are actually going to fight for America first. And right now, the RNC doesn't represent that. The RNC represents a, you know, a more, more globalist and in, in many cases an anti-Trump mindset. And we see that. I mean, who do you think was setting up the debates for Nikki Haley and, and Ron DeSantis and those to RNC? RNC. The RNC can call CNN and, and set up a, a, a nice little, uh, you know, civil, civil debate on primetime television with a bunch of RNC mega donors in the room clapping like seals for Nikki Haley. And those are the people. Those are the people who voted for Nikki Haley. The Republican establishment, the people who are involved, the people who believe, the people who follow the Republican establishment lockstep are the people who voted for Nikki Haley. No American citizen, no MAGA patriot in their right mind would ever consider voting for Nikki Haley. But that's who the RNC has become. And that's exactly who we're, we're, we're fighting against. That's who the real fight is against. And if we can defeat them, we're, we're in a step where we are on a step in the right direction toward total victory. So that's it for me. We'll see you again on Friday evening uh, with the family and friends guest episode. I'm not sure who the guest is going to be yet this week. A couple people in mind. Uh, we'll see. I may bring back the great A.J. Barker. Uh, and we might talk about E. Michael Jones. A huge controversy about E. Michael Jones. In fact, I think I'm going to do an extra episode tomorrow, Thursday special episode about Jason Whitlock and E. Michael Jones and that whole controversy. I saw that he had E. Michael Jones on the podcast, who I told him about initially about eight months ago. Because E. Michael Jones is a Catholic scholar. And even though I may not uh, agree with all of E. Michael Jones's views, I certainly don't agree with bringing a man on the podcast, singing his praises, while the show is live and then 
the next day taking the episode down. I mean, Jason Whitlock talks about a lot of controversial things. And this wouldn't be the first time that he he had a, an episode that an episode that that covered the topic of the Jewish identity from a from a political and cultural sense. So I've never seen an ep- I've never seen them take an episode down. There's been times where I was on the show and, and and I've said things that are controversial to some, and they didn't take the episode down. The fact that they took that episode down is, I mean, it's it speaks volumes. And I'm not and and look, I watched most of the episode, and I didn't really think anything E. Michael Jones said was was outside of the scope of extremely controversial than what's said on the show any other time, especially especially not from the not in a sense where the people who are censoring content would deem it way more extreme than talking about vaccines or or whatever or, or whatever so i mean when people when people behave like that it's a signal and uh, i hope somebody out there actually recorded the episode so that it, it, you know we can go back and Check a second time. To be honest, I wasn't really listening that closely. So maybe he did say something that was way off the rails. I didn't hear it. I'd like to go back and listen to it. I think everybody should have the opportunity to go back and listen to it. So I hope somebody recorded it uh, or, or, or uh, you know, has the, the episode so, so we can figure out what exactly he said that was so controversial. I'm going to talk more about that tomorrow on tomorrow's episode, but I might bring in A.J. Barker because I know A.J. Barker watched the entire episode and uh, I, probably we probably could get a better understanding of, of what was discussed from him on Friday. So that's it for me. Uh, we appreciate your viewership and listenership uh, today and in the future. Again, thank you for the audience and everybody that's been here thus far. Uh, we, look forward to the, we look forward to the many, many episodes to come. We hope you enjoy the content. Drop a comment, like, subscribe. Uh, get ready for the Royce White USA YouTube channel. You can go there and subscribe now uh, just to get ready for the content that's going to come. Uh, the fight continues. Godspeed.